The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Sometimes the storms that we're going through are outside of our life. Maybe you're worried about a loved one, or you're, you're worried about your finances, or you're worried about a job. Perhaps you're looking for work and you think, I don't know what's going to happen. Can you know peace right now? Absolutely. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of storms. It's the presence of Christ. Sheila Walsh, next on Life Today. Hi, I'm Sheila Walsh. Welcome to Life Today. You know, one of the things I thought would be kind of fun, um, I love the fact that some of you will leave comments on my Facebook page or in Life Today's Facebook page and, you know, talk about things we've talked about on the show. But one of the things I'd love to know from you are, what are some of the things that you would like us to look at? I'm thinking of kind of doing a bit of a, a study, kind of going into some of the most basics of our faith. You know, we're given so many commands in the Word of God, but I want to unpack, well, how do we do that? So if there's something that you're struggling with and you think, well, I, I sure wish you would address that, let us know. And, and I'd love, I would love to do that. And we can look at it together. But today, I want us to look at something that is a promise of Christ. But honestly, and maybe particularly in the days we're living in, I think many of us find it very, very difficult. And that is the word peace. You know, I've even got it on my little mats here, you know, peace. You know, what comes to your mind when you hear the word peace? <laughs> Maybe if you've got little children, you know, you hear yourself saying, look, I just want five minutes of peace. I used to laugh when I would, if ever I was watching, you know, a beauty pageant, and that would always somehow make its way in there. You know, I would like a new car, a career in movies, and world peace. Well, obviously for us, I wanted to dive deep and say, what does God's word say about peace? Because, you know, I, I love to get to share my heart and my stories with you, but basically everything that I want to share with you, if it's not based on the word of God, then we're not going to go there. So let's look at a few verses um, and then we'll dive into what that looks like. Psalm 119 um, verse 165 says this, great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Yeah, that's, quite a, that's quite a declaration. Great peace of those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. It makes me think, you know, we have to make a fresh commitment in this year to really diving deep into the Word of God. You know, sometimes I get letters from people saying, what does God think about this? And what does God say about that? And even though I'm happy to share my own thoughts, I always direct people back to what does God's Word say? I don't know if you have a daily routine for, for reading the Word of God. If you don't, I highly recommend. I mean, I don't go anywhere without my Bible. And when I feel stuck, then that's where I turn. But there's so many verses about peace. I mean, there's when Christ was promised in Isaiah, we read this. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting 
Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And the angels went on to say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus talked a lot in his final conversation with his very closest friends about peace. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be those who've walked with Jesus for three years. I mean, think about it. They've seen things that no one's seen before. They've seen someone being brought back from the dead. They've seen a young boy bring one little lunch and suddenly it fills a multitude of people. But Jesus knows what they don't know. You see, they're expecting Messiah, as they understand him from Old Testament scriptures, they expect that one of these days, Jesus is gonna ride into Jerusalem and take over and defeat the Roman government. But Jesus tries to prepare them for the fact that, yeah, I know you love me as the master, but you don't always understand the master plan. And so in that final conversation in John's gospel, Jesus talks about peace in three different places. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When Jesus was about to be betrayed and executed, he was trying to prepare his closest friends. John 16, 33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, if you think about it, what Jesus told them was really hard stuff. He told them a time was coming when even those who come supposedly in the name of God would turn against them. If you actually read John 14, 15, 16, it's not the kind of speech that you would normally deliver if you're trying to instill peace in the heart of the listener which makes me think the peace that Christ offers you and me right now, no matter what you're facing, is different than anything that we can experience anywhere else. You might be in a situation right now where you think, Sheila, you don't know the circumstances I'm in. You don't know what's happening within the walls of my own home. You don't know what's happening in my finances. You don't know what's happening in my health. And I. I agree with you, I don't, but here's what I do know. I believe this as deep as the marrow in my bones. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but what he promised was his presence. You know, after the crucifixion, as his disciples were cowered together, remember, in fear, Christ appeared with the very same word on his lips. We read on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. In the midst of chaos outside their doors and a heartache inside their hearts, Christ spoke peace. I wonder if you just let that word just rest on you. We live in a noisy world. We live in a world where we've been told all the time that things are falling apart. 
Christ has not moved from where he is. God is on the throne. He is in control. I love when Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That Greek word that's used for troubled is the word eteraxin, and it means stirred up like a storm. Do not let your hearts be stirred up like a storm. So Jesus is saying to you and to me, you're gonna find yourself in the midst of some terrible storms where you're tempted to say, and maybe you're there right now, I am not gonna make it out of this one. And Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. That very same word, eteraxin, is used when Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In this world, you will face storms, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, I remember a long time ago when I was actually a student in London and I met a man in a park. It was a beautiful sunny day and I was sitting there with some of my books. I was studying for an exam and I saw this gentleman sitting across from me and I could kind of tell by the way he was dressed that, that probably he was homeless. He seemed to have everything that he owned in a couple of plastic bags by his feet. And I wondered if he was hungry. We made eye contact a couple of times and I smiled at him and he looked away. And so I actually went over to him. I mean, I, I felt that prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't know if you're learning to tune into that. It's one of my real commitments in this year to really pay attention to those gentle nudges of the Holy Spirit. Because as far as I'm concerned, you know, I might have this privilege of doing this two or three days a week or I'm out in the weekend speaking. But as a believer, I'm on mission 24-7. I am not my own. You know, I've been bought by a price. So that's my commitment this year, Lord, help me to see people. So on that particular day, I felt this nudge from the Holy Spirit. So I went over to him and I said, sir, um, I wondered if you'd like to share my lunch. And he said, I'm, I would love that actually. So I gave him half my sandwich and I poured half my Diet Coke into a cup and I kept the can. And we sat for a while just kind of talking about people in the park and nothing too much. And I told him a little bit of my story about that I wanted to be a missionary in India. And I didn't push him, but then he began to tell me a little of his story. And he told me that he'd become an alcoholic. And because of the, this terrible disease, he had lost his, his marriage, he'd lost his children, he'd lost his license, he'd lost his whole practice, he'd lost his home. And this man who'd been a tremendously successful doctor now found himself living rough in the streets. And he told me, he said, you know, one day I was walking along a street in London and I saw an old man in a window in a dirty shirt and unkempt hair. And as my distaste for him rose, I realized that this was me. This is what I had become. I wonder if you've ever had a moment, not as drastic as that, but when you look at your life today and you look at how you thought your life would turn out and you think, how did I get here? This is not the way I thought my life would look. 
Well, there's a passage in Mark's gospel that speaks to all the storms that you and I will ever face in life. Mark's gospel tells two stories back to back. And what they show is when Jesus speaks to storms outside our life, and when Jesus speaks to storms inside our life, both have to obey. Well, first we read in Mark chapter four, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up saying, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but mountains surround Galilee and violent storms often blow up. This storm was so intense, so violent, that the waves were crashing over the side of the boat. Now, this was something different because the disciples were used to this, but they were alarmed. And when they looked for Jesus, he was asleep. I mean, I'm sure a couple of things. He was probably exhausted. You know, he spent the day teaching, but he was not afraid. He had total confidence in God. It's not that he was unaware of the storm. He was simply not afraid. Storms never took Christ by surprise and will never take him by surprise in your life. In this world, you will have interaction, you will have storms, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I think it's interesting that it's after Christ has spoken to the storm that we read that they were afraid. Who is this man? Well, they carry on through the night, crossing to the other side of the lake. And we're about to see that when Christ speaks to storms outside, as we saw with that storm, but now when Christ speaks to storms inside the human heart, both have to obey. Well, another man, horrified by what he had become, is who we're going to meet. We read his story carries on from the end of Mark 4 into Mark 5, and this is what we read. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And we replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside the man. 
You know, what I think is so interesting, this area is on the eastern shore. It's not a place that any Jew would ever go. It was a place of pagan cult worship. It was the first time Jesus had ever set foot on that place. They sacrificed pigs to their gods and an animal that would be unclean to the Jews. Landing at the edge of the tomb of the dead where this madman would live was a nightmare for the disciples. Here's what I think is so interesting. This man who has been tormented for so many years, he does not know who Jesus is. So why is it that the minute Jesus sets his foot on the shore, that this man runs, and when it says he fell at his feet, it's not like a stumbling, it's what would mean to fall in worship. I have to believe it's because even though the man didn't know who Jesus was, the demon certainly did. And for the first time in this man's life, he felt the evil that had inhabited him back away. So he ran and he fell at the feet of Jesus. Now I imagine whatever you're facing today, is not as drastic as that. But here's what I want you to know. In those two stories back to back, we see that sometimes the storms that we're going through are outside of our life. Maybe you're worried about a loved one, or you're, you're worried about your finances, or you're worried about a job. Perhaps you're looking for work and you think, I don't know what's going to happen. Can you know peace right now? Absolutely. Peace is not the absence of trouble, of etaraxin. It's not the absence of storms. It's the presence of Christ. But perhaps, like that man, perhaps the storms are inside you. Perhaps you're dealing with anxiety, with fear, all sorts of things that sometimes it's hard to talk about because we think, as a believer, I'm not supposed to feel this way. Can I just say the peace of Christ be with you? Even in the midst of the worst internal storm, you can know the peace of our Lord Jesus. Where is it found? It's found at his feet. And just like that man who got up and then wanted to follow Jesus and do something, you and I now have the privilege of getting up and doing something in Jesus' name. Would you watch this? Venerande's family will never be the same. While all of her children constantly battle illness transmitted through their only water source, her youngest, a two-year-old, was simply too weak to fight any longer. Despite his tender age and tiny size, the void he leaves behind feels immeasurable. <laughs> Like so many areas in Burundi, there is no access to clean drinking water for this community. The closest safe source is too far away and very costly. So the village must rely solely on the Mpanda River, water they must share with livestock and also use for bathing and cleaning. 
Even medical help is largely ineffective because the only available water remains tainted. The danger is unrelenting, and Venerande is helpless to stop it. Venerande and so many other mothers like her are praying for a miracle. It's the only hope they have for the future of their children. And you can help make it possible. I cannot even imagine that as a mom, not being able to give your child something as basic as a glass of clean water. You know, I've, I've watched Life Today for years, have loved Life Today, supported Life Today for years, but I'll never forget that first trip where I got to go and see what it's like for these moms in those villages, so remote. I mean, it's, they have no other choice there. We would have to drive for hours and hours to get to where their villages were. And then I would ask for the privilege, could I come with you in the morning when you go to get water for your children? And watch these women with no shoes on their feet walk for a long, long way to get to a place that was absolutely filthy. And I would think, is this all you have? And literally, they have no choice. That's the only water available. So they either give their children this dirty water and pray and pray that this child will not get sick like their last child did. I can't imagine. When I think of my own son, Christian, when he was two, just one of my favorite stages. He was just into everything, running around and doing everything. And the thought that you come, could come home and look at your child in bed and realize that your child has died simply because the water that you gave your child is so full of diseases. And then I listened to her prayer, asking God that God would send someone. That's why you and I are here. This is our watch. It is no accident that you and I are on the planet at this moment. And this is our last week. We've committed to put 200 new water wells into 15 different countries where the need is huge and we can all do something. Please, I know it's easy just to say, oh, well, I'll let somebody else do it. But why don't we all do it? Do you realize that for $48, now that's not much, you provide clean water for 10 people. $144, which is doable for some, you'll provide clean water for 30 people. Now, if God has blessed you, blessed your business, you might be able to give $4,800. Do you know what? That will put one of the 200 water wells into a village and provide water for life. That will give water to a thousand people and it lasts for 70 years. So please, let's be the answer to her prayer. Will you go to your phone? Will you dial that number on your screen? Will you make the best gift possible? Go online. But if every single one of us hears the Lord saying, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. So please, would you do it today? It's our last week. We've made a commitment to these people. We will not let you down. We will not let you have to bury one more of your children because we didn't come through for you. So please, go to your phone. Just make the best gift you can. Thank you so much. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable 
give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a way for parents to save the lives of their children, to offer them a bright future free from the fear of death. With your gift today, you can help drill and establish the first 200 water wells of the year. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five children. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15. And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the Praying Grace 55-Day Devotional. This new devotional will help you renew your mind to the realities of God's grace and help you pray powerful grace-based prayers for each day. With your gift of $100 or more, request the Praying Grace Tumbler. This reusable 16-ounce container is constructed with insulated stainless steel, perfect for hot or cold beverages. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request the beautiful new commemorative bronze sculpture, Safe in the Shepherd's Arms. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. This mother has four children. Last summer, a year ago, they had an outbreak of intestinal disease from contaminated water. Two of her children got very, very sick. Now she's got a little baby, just a few months old, and this baby is living on her mother's milk. This baby's nursing. But Betty, pretty soon, this little baby's gonna be drinking that water. And oftentimes, it takes their lives. It really does, James. And, and they can't do anything about it because it's all the water that they have. I just can't even imagine. This little baby is so precious, so beautiful. Her mama just cuddling her and taking care of her. And she makes little sounds of life. But you know, I don't know how long those little sounds of life will be if we don't do something to help them. We can make the difference by doing the water wells and giving them a fresh cup of water. You know, I very deliberately reached out to see if this little girl would take hold of my fingers. Mm -hmm. And in so many ways, little children like this are reaching out to find somebody they can hold on to. And uh, I'd like you to be one of the hands to reach out and dial the telephone number and take your bank card and use it like a check or, or write a check. And, make it to life, please call us and let us know what you're sending, or you can go online and say, I want to give life to children like this and keep them healthy. Thank you so, so much. For any gift at all, we'll send you this lovely book, Praying Grace, and for a gift of $100 or more, we'll send you this very, very cool water bottle. I am Praying Grace with a wonderful scripture on it. I know you don't do it for that, but we just it's our way of just saying thank you. Thank you so much. If you try to get through and the lines are busy, please keep calling. This is the last week. The need is urgent. You know, we go to our faucets and we turn it on and we take it for granted. There are mothers praying right now that we will respond in Jesus' name. So so thanks for being with us um, for Life Today. I'm Sheila Walsh. God bless you. See you next time.
I was on a journey of self-help rather than sanctification. Whitney Capps says, I'm sick of me tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.